now, this is Box to Box Stoppage Time with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgeley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box Stoppage Time. You're with Rob Gilbert, Derek Dyson, Michael Edgeley and Willem van Denderen for our podcast spun-off from the main show where we go through the highlights of the past week, the teams, the moments of the week and plenty, plenty more. So Derek, it's been an absolute uh, feast of football in this past week, whether you're watching domestically the rehabilitation of the A-League bit by bit as uh, as uh, the Melbourne victory are allowed crowds back in. But to be honest, uh, I don't think any football-loving person uh, could have uh, enjoyed a weekend of cup football more than uh, this last week uh, in, in the English top flight. I think it's uh, it's why England is always the home of football. Yes, we love South American football. We love continental European football. We love Asian football. And we love the emerging African nations and Middle Eastern nations. But when you get that FA Cup and the, and the, the League Cup uh, uh, competition throwing up the kind of results we've seen, uh, it just makes you sit back and think, this is why I love the game. Yeah, it's a fantastic time of the year. Christmas has gone, New Year's gone, and then all of a sudden it's FA Cup third round time. And it didn't disappoint this time. As we all know, it produced a number of shocks across uh, the, the, the games as we speak. Um, Arsenal and Oxford haven't played. There could be another shock there potentially, but let's focus on... Um, the game of the week, and we could have picked Stevenage. We could have picked a whole bunch of different ones, but the obvious one for me was Wrexham. Uh, they're in the National League, and they knocked out the championship side, Coventry City. And it wasn't just the size of the shock; it was a four-three thriller. Um, they were, but they were three-one up. Sorry, four-one up. Wrexham. Um, couple came back from Coventry, but it was too late. So Wrexham away from home. Uh, beat Coventry 4-3, and it's the first time that they have reached the fourth round uh, since the, well, 20 years or so, put it that way, 20 years or so. And, of course, this is the club that is owned by the uh, the two famous American actors. There's been quite a lot of interest in them, including a, including a, a documentary and... Uh, it was just a, it was just an all round um, fabulous, fabulous, fabulous result, and what the FA Cup is all about. Yeah, look, it, it sure was, and and there, there was a bunch of, of different games that that could easily have fitted the bill for for game of the week. And the one I've gone with is the one that I woke up on Sunday morning. Um, and if anybody uh, likes to listen to their radio and uh, and they get caught geo blocking, uh, uh, then make sure you download um, you know a VPN so that you can listen to the radio. Uh, the one that I use is NordVPN. You just flick it on, and you just you feel like you're 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 over there um, in uh, in the uh, the stadium just about um, but I I uh, I started uh, making some notes on this game and I was thinking you know the, the, of the irony that it's not very often that a Liverpool supporter would identify something coming out of Hillsborough as memorable for any other reason than the tragedy of uh, 1989 but as I was listening to that coverage on Sunday morning uh, ahead as I was preparing to watch the Liverpool tie against Wolves. It was just the magic of the FA Cup in, as you've said, Derek, a weekend of great stories. For me, it was Sheffield Wednesday, currently second in League One. Uh, they obviously knocked out Newcastle, sitting third in the Premier League and, and, and making a genuine run at the title. It finished 2-1. Josh Winder scored 
the two goals, uh, but it was the Owls goalkeeper, Cameron Dawson, who, who really could claim equal bragging rights. You know, Emery uh, name-checked him in his post-match comments. A string of top-shelf saves. Uh, Kiwi, sadly for Chris Wood, he had a chance to to score the winner late, uh, but he blazed over. And and, and a really uh, nice uh, subscript to this, uh, to this match was Wednesday's manager, the former Jamaican international, Darren Moore, the English game underrepresented, the world game underrepresented with black managers and uh, humble in victory to his credit took the game to the visitors uh, they didn't sit back and 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 perform a low block they uh, they got right into it but they got the rub of the green and the glory Eddie Howe made nine changes paid the price but I think that game as well I know Wrexham and a few of the other results were stealing the headlines but uh, but that Wednesday win um, uh, edge over uh, over Newcastle was a, was an absolute cracker they were the FA Cup uh, shocks are always fantastic to watch the emotion of um, some of those smaller clubs have their moment in the sunlight. I'm going to bring my game of the week back to local shores, and it was Sydney FC, Neil Wellington won. Not many times do you get a team with nine who finished with nine men win a game 1-0, and they did. But I have to say, uh, the reason I raise this is that Adam LaFonda missed two penalties, and the second one, uh, I'll tell you what, it's nearly gone out of the stadium he missed by that far. So um, I just want to... Um, raised that because I just thought that was full of drama and um, the things that happen in that game don't normally happen and um, it was a great advertisement for what you say, Rob, the rehabilitation of the A-League and we want that to happen as soon as possible. Yeah, we share a game of the week there, Michael. I think uh, it's important as well to bring attention to the fact that Wellington were two men down. Uh, red card in the 71st minute, which was a little bit touch and go and then one in the 86th, which was probably fair enough. Uh, Nicholas Pennington... Uh, raising his arms to the uh, the throat of Max Berger. So he's going to sit out a week's suspension. But two red cards, uh, and they still managed to hang on, survive two penalties. It's been called the greatest win in Wellington history. Uh, and considering they haven't won a final since 2012, Rob, you probably couldn't argue. No, you couldn't. And watching some of the comments on Twitter by the Knicks fans, uh, that uh, they were communicating with Jason Pine, our good mate from Sky Sports, uh, who uh, uh, is iconic in, in uh, Kiwi football, uh, suggesting that the officials were trying to drag the stoppage time out as much as possible to give Sydney the chance to win it. Um, and uh, and one wag suggested that uh, they needed them uh, to finish because they've sold them the grand final. But uh, again, another story for another entire podcast. But Derek, uh, uh, some great games of the week there and, and a few of the... the the games we mentioned might have even featured the team of the week. Yeah, look, I think we could have name-checked any of those teams that we mentioned. So I've gone for a slightly different angle. I've picked a team of the week, but a team of the week for for different reasons, a team with all sorts of problems. And I'm talking about Crawley Town. Um, very different to Wrexham in terms of their trajectory. They have kind of funky owners, for want of a better word, but going in the uh, the wrong direction. Uh, they were bought out by a cryptocurrency firm called Wagme United, uh, who were promising to shake up world football with this acquisition. Um, that was last season, and they shook up world football by finishing 12th uh, the first time around. Um, they're, currently, they're currently 20th in League Two, and they're looking for their third permanent manager this season after Matthew Etherington, former Spurs, player amongst, I think, might have gone to Stoke as well. Um, he was only 32 games in charge, so, you know, not looking good on the management front. Um, in fact, Matthew Etherington is an, an ex-gambling addict and one of the owners on the announcement of Etherington as the manager said he'd be a good fit for, for them because he has an appetite for risk. So uh, a pr- pretty crass analysis there. 
Um, they have a stats-based recruitment policy. Um, in fact, some of the players are paid for uh, different bonuses for different attributes. Like if you're a striker, if you win the ball back, you get a bonus. If you're a defender, you get a header. Then that could be a bonus too. Um, they're trying to take on celebrity YouTube players um, after a recent trial of YouTube players um, and the death knell of all clubs of this way the owners decided to get in the dugout for the last game, which is always very sad to see. So the uh, Preston Johnson is his name, and he was stood there next to caretaker uh, manager Darren Byfield, giving his worldly f- expert football advice uh, in the dugout in the game that they lost as well. And not surprisingly, the club supporters are requesting a meeting with the owners to find out what the F word is going on. So sad times for Crawley, and just another reminder that... Um, in this game that we love, uh, it's always at risk and and great local clubs like uh, Crawley Town, who, you know, uh, are very mean a lot to their local fan base and their local community, uh, being treated quite appallingly by what seems to be quite an unsuitable uh, owner, Rob. Yeah, look, uh, when you threw that story up on the WhatsApp chat, I did a a little digging around and there's a sort of legacy of a a racism story around Crawley Crawley Town, one of their former managers as well, which uh, uh, we we may go into at a later date. But I did watch uh, um, Preston um, and his uh, his contributions to to Twitter. when he he defended um, his decision, not realizing that it wasn't the done thing for the chairman to sit in the dugout with the, with the manager, uh, uh, but uh, uh, to his credit, he did perform quite well on Twitter. So if you're interested in uh, digging a little deeper into this uh, Crawley Town story that that you've been talking about, Derek, um, just jump onto Twitter and, and look at Preston's comments. And, and I think that very meeting that you're talking about is taking place um, as we speak uh, over there. So yeah, it's uh, for all of the Wrexhams and the positive stories about celebrity owners um, and uh, an American imports. Uh, this is, uh, we'll call it a, a chaotic one at the, at the very least. Now, I'm going to roll straight into my team of the week because it, they, they have been mentioned already. It was one of the biggest, um, one of the most dramatic FA Cup shocks of, of all of the FA Cup shocks we've seen over the weekend. League two side, Stephen Edge scored two goals in the final two minutes to reach the fourth round. So, you know, it's one of those scenarios where whenever you're watching football and there's a two-goal buffer, even when you hit stoppage time, we've all seen it happen. And you always sit there wondering, will it happen? Well, in that game, it happened. Remember, their, their upset uh, uh, was against a, a club, Villa, uh, ranked 59 league places above them. And uh, uh, look, Villa just dominated possession, as you'd expect at Villa Park. Uh, uh, Morgan Sanson put them ahead uh, 10 minutes before the break. You wouldn't have blamed the visitors if their resistance had broken down, but they they defended, they stayed in it, and uh, and when uh, Leander Dendonka, uh, it was pretty obvious professional foul in the box uh, with five to go. He gifted the borough the equaliser. Dean Campbell stepped up, uh, beat Robin Olsen uh, in in the 90th minute uh, to score the winner after the penalty had been uh, had been scored, and uh, the uh, the four thousand Stevenage fans who were in the uh, in the Villa Park uh, grandstand at the uh, at the away end just went absolutely bunter. So uh, yeah, of all of the great results over the weekend, boys. Um, what do we? What do you reckon, Willem? Did you watch the highlights of that one? Yeah, gripping stuff, Rob. Always good when you see the uh, the, the proper minnow get up and uh, Stephen Hitch. Probably a club that we don't know enough about, but as Michael said earlier, these are uh, little moments where you can uh, where you can sort of dig in and learn a few things. And you know, Derek's just spoken us through Crawley Town, what they mean to the local fans, clubs of this size. So, now fantastic result. 
And what what's your contribution to uh, to, to to this particular? Oh, you, you look like you're frantically waving over there to Edge to, to jump in. So, uh, so Edge, in. the the metaphorical uh, handball of the uh, of the other uh, codes uh, pill into your hands. Well, I'm going to Italy, Rob, for the team of the week, um, and that's uh, Napoli, who was seven points clear at the top of the table in the Serie A. And I just wanted a, a shout-out to Victor Osimhen, who is the uh, Nigerian 24-year-old who's leading the goal-scoring um, in the Serie A. He scored 10 in 17, 10 goals in 17 games, and he's club Napoli uh, after a hiccup against Inter. They got back onto the winner's list, and they are seven points clear at the top of the table and uh, I think Napoli fans will be probably feeling a little bit like Arsenal fans. Can we hang on? That's my team of the week. Yeah, well, you're a bit of a uh, spoiler there because that was against Sampdoria who were um, uh, commemorating the career and legacy of uh, of um, the player who we're, we're about to talk about next um, in the moment of the week, Derek, um, Gianluca Viali. Yeah, we spoke about Gianluca Viali on the main show and I was kind of just saying how actually how taken aback I was with how sort of sad I felt about it. I mean, we're always sad when we lose people uh, across anything, including sport. But um, again, as I said at the time, paying tribute to a former Chelsea player who has no connection to Arsenal whatsoever, I think really just spoke to me about you know, how he transcends really the clubs that he played for and that we heard from Italy that, uh, you know, as tribal a um, sort of footballing nation as they are around their club teams, that there was an outpouring of grief from all quarters of the country. Viali was very much seen as a, you know, an Italian icon, not just an icon of the the football teams that he, he played for. I mean, as a, you know, he was a, uh, you know, just everything you wanted from a striker, probably a striker that doesn't exist now, but I think would actually thrive extremely well in the Premier League. And I think there's a lot of clubs, including mine, um, that would you know love to have someone of uh, Jan Luca's um, sort of technique, his goal scoring ability. He was an extremely strong player. He was also a leader and a captain as well. I think people forget that he captain that Sampdoria side, he captain that Juventus side. Um, you know, he, when he started at Sampdoria with his mate Roberto Mancini, they won Serie A against all the odds in 1990. That was very much a Leicester City-style story, really, in terms of the the shock and you know, compared to some of the the, the the larger clubs in in Italy. And then, of course, he had his move to Juve, where he won the Champions League, more Serie A titles, and then the move to Chelsea. And this was a Chelsea pre-Roman Abramovich, but they were starting a what I'd call like a foreign revolution. They brought in Ruud Hollett, who was a very high-profile kind of player, player manager for them. Roberto Di Matteo being another example, and then Viali, who came in as well, and and and, and he did a lot to really show uh, the way to international football stars that they could come to the Premier League and be successful. And he won the FA Cup. He ended up managing the club, winning the. League Cup and the Cup Winners Cup in the same season, but um, ultimately management wasn't for him. He didn't last long as a manager at Chelsea or later at Watford. But then, as we spoke about in the main show, you know his old power Mancini brought him back for a tilt at glory with the national side that they hadn't achieved as players. And 
Viali was part of the backroom staff that won uh, the Euros against England at Wembley. And that kind of seemed fitting because Viali actually, you know, all up until his death, lived out of the UK, lived in London. He'd made England his home and he ended up having probably the crowning moment of his career at Wembley Stadium. So what, you know, I just think all the comments that we've seen is not just that he was a great, great uh player but he was also a great man as well and I'm, I'm sure he'll be sadly missed yeah well said mate and uh, and well remembered for a player who had uh, a, a great club uh, career across those clubs you talk about I mean uh, before he even left Sampdoria he played over 200 games for that club but uh, where he, he wasn't able to translate that that club uh, level of performance on a consistent basis despite the fact that he played 59 games for the Azzurri was with uh, was with um, the Italian national side and, and what was meant to be his crowning moment uh, was the 1990 World Cup, which uh, which uh, Italy famously lost in the semifinals uh, against Argentina. He, he, was, uh, he missed a penalty. Uh, he was meant to be one of the superstars of the tournament. Uh, uh, he wasn't able to bring his club form. Uh, he was replaced by Roberto Baggio and, and Salvatore Scalacci, who Scalacci obviously is re- well remembered in that tournament as, as a Emerging uh, um, as as a, as a future great of, of the game in his own right. Uh, so, uh, watching a, a clip of uh, of Gianluca Vialli, who who lived in England for the latter stages of his life, reflecting on on his national career uh, and what might have been. Uh, he was uh, very uh, philosophical and stoic about the opportunities. Uh, but uh, one of the funniest stories about his his uh, national experience and and why he ended up uh, uh, finishing uh, before his time when he probably could have played in that 1994 World Cup in the USA, which uh, obviously that very Roberto Baggio is synonymous with for missing the penalty against Brazil in the final. Uh, It suggested that he played a prank on um, the then uh, Azuri coach uh, manager, Arrigo Saki, which... uh, Arrigo didn't think was quite as funny and uh, I think uh, um, the story goes that he, he'd sprinkled some parmesan cheese in his hanky so when he pulled the hanky out of his pocket to blow his nose, the parmesan cheese went all over the place. So uh, yeah, Jen Luca um, might have been funny to uh, one of those things that seemed like a good idea at the time. Edge, Willem, you got any comments on, on the great man? Well, you've covered him uh, in splendour, Derek and Rob, and uh, um, and I just think that um, the reflections of his relationship with Mancini are significant, aren't they? Um, yeah, can I um, depart uh, from this discussion with uh, my moment of the week, Rob, which is a bit different? Is that okay if I can do that? Mate, go right ahead, Michael. I just wanted to shout out to Cat Smith, who's um, there's been a lot of discussion around uh, the promotion of female coaches in the elite game in Australia, and Cat Smith, who's been involved in the game uh, for a long, long time, got her opportunity at Western Sydney, and they had a massive win over Melbourne City uh, 2-0 on the weekend, a big upset, and uh, Melbourne City were looking to go top of the table. So well done to Cat Smith in her first win for Western Sydney, uh, it was a significant uh, upset and a, and a quality game, and uh, she's putting together a team that's been competitive all season, but they've yet to get a win, and that's changed. So well done, my mum of the week, to Cat Smith and Western City Wanderers, who got their first win of the season in the A-League women's competition. 
Well said, Michael. That's been a tough gig there, the uh, Wanderers women's job for some time there. So hopefully Cat Smith can make a solid fist of it. My moment of the week comes from Scotland. I just want to read you some comments from new Rangers boss, uh, Michael Beale. Now, Beale is five wins and a draw in the league since taking on the job. So he's had a good start to life, but his comments uh, did catch the eye. So I'll just read them out and just... I want you guys to think about if you'd ever hear Ange Postacoglu say things like this. Celtic have made three signings and people are asking, are you going to make three? No, we will do what we think is best. But also, they spend a lot more money than us. So Ange is a lucky man because he spent a lot of money. He's a good coach, but he spent a lot of money. I know who I want here and who is free to go and who I'd like to move on. I know the areas I'd like to strengthen, but I think it's going to take one, two, three windows to get who I want. So they sound like a few excuses there, Rob. I think Ange turned Celtic around and had them challenging within a window. Uh, As I said, it's been a good start to life uh, from Beal. I'm not sure he needs to be uh, making comments and maybe, yeah, building a couple of uh, little excuses for himself there. Uh, I think his team can challenge on the pitch, but I'm not sure he needs to be commenting uh, across town. Oh, look, you know what? I don't mind it too much, to be honest. Whether he's right or not is probably immaterial. You know, we, we, uh, we love to see uh, uh, genuine uh, um, uh, feistiness uh, uh, between clubs and players. And as long as it's all in good spirit, mate, uh, he might be wrong. But uh, uh, the time will, uh, will, will prove uh, uh, what, uh, or the merit of what he said or otherwise. Um, Okay, now before we bring it home, so Derek, um, w- when you set the format up of uh, stoppage time and you introduced the hot topic, uh, I expected a, a lot of different football stories ranging over uh, uh, different leagues and countries, uh, female and male stories, but this was not one that I expected for you to throw up as a, as a hot topic. I'm, I'm sort of as much interested for you to explain why it is the hot topic as the fact that you've chosen what you're about to talk to us about. Well, it's a hot topic, Rob, because it... Uh, lit up social media for a time over the weekend and no one who listens to the show can accuse of not dodging dodging, uh, the big issues. Uh, And we are, of course, talking about Roy Keane's moustache as it appeared on the ITV coverage of the FA Cup um, over the weekend. Now, we've seen Roy in a number of situations with his, his chin and his upper lip and his um, shave, his, in his playing days, he was quite clean-shaven, the clean-shaven hard man, maybe the five o'clock shadow um, might be creeping in there, but didn't really entertain uh, you know, too much facial hair. But then as he became a pundit, um, he went for the kind of what I call the homeless beard look, which was just the full, the full unkempt beard, like someone that you might see in a doorway or something like that. Um, and now he's gone for what I can only describe as either the the local village postman or uh, the French waiter look, you know, possibly even Tiger King, YMCA. I've written down here. I think you had Freddie Mercury in our in our group. I don't know. I've got another is, suggestion for you. You're, yeah. you're a fan of Better Call Saul. Um, I, I, yeah. I'm going to uh, throw in Lalo Salamanca there, complete with the soul patch. Uh, Did you think he gets into yeah, the discussion? I think Lalo Salamanca is in there as well. A couple of people on Twitter. Someone said Roy Keane is a 1970s South American detective uh, in a cro- in a crooked police force trying to take down the kingpin of a local drug cartel, <laughs> um, and a lot and a lot of fans are calling for the the beard to come back. Some have asked if he's wanted by Interpol, and he is he now <laughs> describe you know disguising himself. Could it be a midnight life crisis? Is it the kind of holiday tash that? Uh, that my dad used to do on holiday and, and, and grow one there. Who knows? But the only hair soup who's person on this chat is, of course, Willem, who is, um, has a fine uh, moustache himself. So I think 
you're really the only person qualified to comment. Well, then what do you what do you think about Roy Keane's mo? I think Roy's looks a lot more exposed. It's very, I guess, like he was on the on the pitch. It's short and prickly and angry. His mo. <laughs> nice one. Ed, you, I, I remember I was... one. There was once upon a time you you were rolling with this big woolly uh, beard, but I think it got a bit too grey for you and a, a bit in your way. Um, so you, you 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 know formally in your uh, in your uh, less pursuit days uh, had uh, had um, some credibility on this subject. Yes, Rob, I did have a beard and it was very grey, but I had the beard during COVID because I had a bet with one of my former teammates that uh, whoever whoever uh, shaved first had to buy the other one a slab. And uh, unfortunately, I lost the bet because you're right, it was looking, I'd grew my beard for about eight or nine weeks. It was pretty bushy and it was pretty grey and I gave it away. Hey, just a very quick one. My hot topic is obviously Aziz Beach um, and his potential move to Galatasaray. The reason I raised that, we did raise, discuss it in the first show, is that I wanted to ask Rob, who are the three Australians that have played for Galatasaray uh, in the event that Aziz Beach, it'll be four. Who are the three, Rob? Who are the three? And I can see you on the on the Zencast recording. To don't go for Doctor Google. Hands in the air. There, you go. there we go. That's it. Hands <laughs> in the air. And uh, you know, you, you've this is this is like you each to ask a question without notice. And I should be able to. This come has up got with a link some. to yourself, actually. No, no, I know. You, and I, I should be able to name it at least one um, off the top of my head. I, I'm trying. To, I'm thinking that um, that there might have been a player who was. Uh, who's not a name that we would have expected to be in that group. Correct. That's who, why I'm asking the question. Yeah, who had a long career <laughs> at other clubs um, and, and ended up playing. Well, you know, Harry Kuehl was one of them, wasn't so, it? Harry Kuehl so, was one of them. Well, Edge, why, why, why did you say that when I was just answer. about to say Harry Kuehl? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm leading up well, to it. One. I'm trying there's to prove my credentials. One. There's another right, two. Over to you. Harry Kuehl was my answer. Anyway, Lucas Neal would be another. There's a third one. I'm not sure. Who was it? Selko Kellis? No, he's Rob Gilbert's doppelganger. Oh. Ufuk. <laughs> Ufuk Tele. Ufuk Tele played for Galatasaray for four years, believe it or not. See. And, That's um, actually not bad from you, Michael. The, yeah, that is good. And I thought that was worthy of a stoppage time shout-out, as is as mm-hmm. Beige, his potential move um, across to Galatasaray. Of course, he formerly right. is played for... And, and in the spirit of Michael's long questions um, and answering his own questions as well. So um, <laughs> we're, going to do, we're going to release a, 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 an episode of Pox to Box soon, which is Michael Edgley interviewing Just Michael Edgley. Yes. <laughs> My hot topic, as promised, is going to be Melbourne Victory. We've been chatting them uh, about them for a bit, fair bit, but they have been leading uh, the agenda. And I guess there was surprise last week. We've spoken about the passing of Mario Bison, Michael, but there was some surprise to the extent to which this Triple Seven Partners group have control over the club. And Guido Trizoli, one of our probably our most, most loyal listeners, um, I would think it's fair to say, has done the legwork around who they actually are because all of a sudden they do seem uh, very important. Uh, on his blog, Accidental Aussie. So uh, just a little bit of history on who they actually are. They tried to buy uh, Genoa. They succeeded in attaining full ownership of Standard Liège in Belgium. They hold just under 65% of Hertha Berlin and 70% of Vasco da Gama in uh, Brazil. Uh, Guido, in his piece, also fleshes out that their main interest is around airlines uh, and hence why Victory have Bonza. Uh, as their front of shirt sponsor. Now, Bonza have been trying, I think, for over three or four years to attain the requisite license to fly um, commercially in Australia, and there's some hold up there. But uh, by all reports, they will be a player 
uh, to, to rival your Jetstars and the like, your budget airlines. Uh, so it was an important piece, uh, a well-balanced piece by Guido. Um, yeah, to, to be fair, it was Guido shared the story as opposed to wrote it himself. No, but, that was uh, his piece on his blog, Accidental Aussie. That was him. Okay, all right. Well, yeah. uh, credit where it's due. Apologies to you there, Guido. I thought uh, you were sharing it, but uh, he, he's uh, just probably never going to listen to us again after you've. you've no, you've, no. Well, Will, Willem's corrected it. I mean, I, 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 I'm just going because for the the uh, for fuck's sake, uh, uh, pod, uh, podcast boys um, also shared the, the link as well. But uh, w- but credit where it's due for identifying those highlights then, uh, because uh, you know as much as there's a, there's a lot of uh, uh, a negative sort of uh, knee-jerk reaction to to the involvement of a of a um a, a company um who who appears to be just uh, uh coming in uh, as a um, an opportunistic um, investment they do seem to have a strategy around all of the the clubs and and, and the world of travel um is, is effectively what the story was all about anyway we should get Guido on one day we can talk about that and I know he's got it because he from time to time he mentions it on Twitter he's got a very very fine wine collection, Rob. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds good. We can talk about it in the Box to Box wine edition. All right, boys, we better wrap it up. We've been going on for a little while, Michael. Um, enjoy your uh, uh, your stir-fry over there for your uh, for your early dinner in Bangkok, mate. Um, I'm getting a bit peckish myself as we finish recording uh, on Monday evening our time, mate. So have a bit of go. morning glory for dinner tonight, Rob. Okay. All right. Well, I'm not going to investigate that, Michael, because, uh, yeah. It's a family show. Uh, well done. Um, Derek, you thank know. you. Willem knows what morning glory Had plenty of morning glory myself, guys, and I, I did enjoy it. I think it is some kind of vegetable, highly garlic, uh, highly garlic. It's something chili. like that, isn't it? Chili. Isn't yeah. it? Willem? Willem knows what morning glory is because his mum spent a year here in Thailand and he's been here a few times. He's got uh, the Thai language down pat, Willem has. Uh there is also a Thai vegetable, P-H-U-C, the fun. Yeah. Uh, so you can go and try some of that, Edge. I can. I'm surprised I don't know about it. I spent half my life in Bangkok when I was flying with Qantas. Uh, um, so uh, on that note, I will say Sawadikap, Edge. and Kop uh, Kap. Exactly. Hong Nam Yunai Krop. Hong Nam Yunai Krop. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we completely lose our way, boys. Thank you, Michael. See you, boys. See you next Derek, week. Derek, thanks, mate. Well done. And well, well done, Willem. Outstanding job, mate. Outstanding job over the last few weeks. Uh, it is not an easy job to, sometimes edit, to edit podcasts uh, uh, because they can get a little bit loose at times, and this one does get loose, as loose as any. So uh, well done to you, Willem, and uh, and thanks again for uh, for putting in the overtime shift to, to make it all well happen, Well done mate. to you, Ufek Tele's doppelganger. Thank well you. Love you back, Roberto. Thanks, mate. All right, boys. Please subscribe to Box to Box. Stoppage time, offside, wherever you get your podcast. Tweet us at Box to Box NTS and follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook and make sure you join us throughout the week as all those podcasts drop and we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.